Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. We are going to be talking a lot today about the future of the 2023 Minnesota Vikings. That's going to start with defensive coordinator. Ed Donatello is gone. There have been three requests put out for candidates. Who are they? What do they bring? And we're going to talk a little bit of NFL draft. And we're going to talk about the wide receiver position, one that I have done a lot of in-depth work on. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad. And the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first real off-season episode of The Real Forno Show. Last week, we had a recap of that unfortunate playoff game, but now we are looking full steam ahead to the future. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me up in the top corner, as always, is producer Dave. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Bit chilly here in Texas. We're in the fifties. Yeah, it's it's oh fifties. You poor poor baby. Um, but we're I don't even know what the temperature is. I went to the post office in shorts because I don't like pants, so I just don't <laughs> care. Um, it wasn't cold enough for Odie. Uh, he asked to go outside a couple times so he could go play in the snow. So cool. He's starting to get a little more acclimated to the weather, and he's he's behind me right now. Um, I gave him a licky mat of pumpkin puree. Uh, maybe it's not puree. It's the canned pumpkin. It's good right. for dogs. It's good for uh, dogs, and it helps solidify their poops into nice little what do they call it? That chocolate candy, tootsie rolls. Ah, learning new things. I knew it had a lot of fiber, but th- that part I did not know. But we're not here to talk about my dog's dong. Um, we're here, or Dung, not Dung. He lost his balls last week. Um, we're here to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Dave, defensive coordinator. We we had the news finally on Thursday, and there's something I want to address about that. 
had a couple people complaining that they didn't um, let him go during the press conference. Look, um, those people need to um, relax because letting somebody go in a press conference without them there, it, it's not always the gr- best thing to do because it, it can kind of devolve. It can, uh, it can snowball out of control and eventually become disrespectful. This is the smartest way to do things. You don't bury the guy under uh, six feet. You just you say, hey, we're going to move on from the guy and you leave it as a press release and you give him as much dignity as you can on the way out. Now, with head coaches, unfortunately, it's not quite that simple. But with coordinators and position coaches, it should be that simple because you don't want to drag people's names through the mud if you don't have to. So, oh, they don't have to answer tough questions about it. Boo hoo. You know what? Just deal with it and enjoy the fact that you have a coaching staff and a front office that wants to be respectful to the people that work in their building. So I, to me, I have no issue with it. And uh, I don't know how you feel about it, Dave, but it's, no, I, have no I, issue I don't with it. see the issue. The, the issue was probably decided by that press conference, but that press conference was just, Hey, it's the end of the season. Sorry, folks, mm-hmm. we're going to move on. This is what we're looking at. Blah, 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 blah. And then any decisions that come as part of the end of the season, we're going to get piecemealed to us. We're going to learn little bits at a time. One of those was Ed Donatel was released. It's uh, obviously the right things to do. The defense was horrible. But it was done in a nice manner to respect his long time spent in football coaching. And I think it was a good thing. You never want to run somebody out with a bitter taste like that publicly. That is bad uh, for your team. It is bad for the front office. It gives a bad taste to people that might think about coming to Minnesota, so you don't want to portray that. And it's it's just the wrong thing to do. Uh, you're not, you don't want, if you're working for company A, and you didn't work up to their standards, and they say, sorry, we got to let you go, you don't want them going out that same day or beforehand go in a press conference going, we're releasing this guy because he didn't meet our standards. He was horrible. You don't want that. That's a, it's, not a, it's not a polite way to live or treat people, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And, like, look, I get, hey, you want the people that make decisions to answer the tough questions. Well, you have to sacrifice something when it comes to respect, and I'm willing to sacrifice that if it means being dignified with somebody uh, being on the way out. Look, you just got to deal with it. But, like, I just wanted to say that piece because it really drove me nuts um, seeing that from media members in this town. And it, it's – I hate it. But – but let's let's move on towards the future. Um, we knew Donatel was not long for the tooth because of how the season ended up playing out. Look, you're going to expect struggles when you have this kind of major transition. And you have injuries. But there was no adaptation. And there was no, hey, I need to get these guys into different situations to help them thrive and succeed. Donatel did not do that. And to me, that's the most frustrating part of this whole thing. They could have been so much better. But they weren't because of stubbornness and unwilling to adapt to the personnel. Now, within the Vic Fangio scheme, there's multiple different styles that you can do. There's You have cover one, you have cover three, you have what we do, which is mainly quarters, cover car, quarter, quarter, half, and cover two. Like You can do a lot of different things within the Fangio family. Well, Donatel wanted to do only one thing, 
and he was not the guy to fully implement the scheme. So when we continue to talk defensive coordinator, the scheme should not be a problem. It's who's implementing the scheme. Almost half the league uses this now. Mm-hmm. And it's going to eventually fade out like the Seattle cover three. People are going to figure it out, and then it's gonna we're going to evolve to something else. What is that something else? I'm not sure yet. But there will be something else. There always is. Remember at the beginning of the 2000s, everybody's like, Tampa 2, Tampa 2, Tampa 2. Well, they figured out you could just pepper corner routes all day, every day, and just destroy teams. Split the zone so, so that works great, yes. Yeah, it is not a base defense anymore. Now, Le- Leslie Frazier is able to do a lot with that in Buffalo, but he also has two elite safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. It's the only reason why they're able to do so much with it because those safeties make up so much ground. Now, when when we transition and we continue to look for a defensive coordinator, there are multiple things to consider. You want to get somebody who's going to maximize your talent. You ideally don't want to change a whole lot about what your core values as far as what you want to call in defense are. Because having that kind of easy transition is like, like, I guess, an easy way to put it, look at the Bills. They lost Brian Dayball. Implement his quarterback's coach, Ken Dorsey. Same scheme, same verbiage. You don't have to worry too much about that. Gary Kubiak to Clint Kubiak. Same thing. You're going to have nuances that are different. Even with Kevin Stefanski under that was the same basic mm-hmm. scheme. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the Bible. You go from the, the King James version to whatever, whatever other version. It's the same thing. Slightly different with how they, they word some verses, but it's all the same thing, right? That's kind of the idea behind bringing somebody from the Vic Fangio style of defense. You get continuity. And when you have change, having continuity is a great thing. And that's one of the reasons why you're going to see coordinators from the Vic Fangio tree or position coaches from that tree getting shots at this job. And the first one we'll talk about. Sean what about Vic Fangio himself? He's a... I, I have heard he does not want a coordinator job. He wants okay. to be a head coach. I've also heard if Sean Payton becomes a head coach, he will be a coordinator for Sean Payton. Because that means full autonomy of the defense. And it probably means he gets a, a shot quicker at becoming a head coach. Because Vic Fangio is not a spry chicken anymore. He's getting up there in age. And we know teams... They like to hire young head coaches. So Vic Fangio is probably running out of time. I mean, you could argue he was running out of time when he got his first chance with Denver. But I think that he's going to get another chance because he is brilliant, especially when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And he didn't never had a quarterback in Denver. <laughs> so I think that's that's something you have to weigh in too. Mm-hmm. The defense he had was great. He had nothing at quarterback. And that's not all on the head coach, right? Obviously, sure, the head coach can develop, but the ghost of Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, it's not exactly a winning formula at the position. (laughs) So as we kind of look forward, Sean Desai comes from that tree. He survived three head coaches when he was with the uh, Chicago Bears. He was hired by Mark Trestman, of all people. John Fox kept him on his staff. Matt Nagy did as well. And then when you had, uh, whatchamacallit, Vic uh, Fangio move on to Denver, Chuck Pagano was defensive coordinator, then he retired, and then Desai got the job. Look, 
Desai kind of got dealt a rough hand. Injuries and a lack of talent on the defensive side of the football. Plus, when you look at it, Dave, they were fifth in total defense, 22nd in scoring defense. Now, the easiest way to explain that, your turnover differential is negative 13. So they, (laughs) 13 more turnovers than were forced. You're dealing with a rookie quarterback who's had struggles throwing the football. And it's not exactly like the Bears have these great weapons either. So it's a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. But Desai is a viewed as a brilliant mind. They hired him in Seattle to help expand on the cover three, cover seven stuff that Pete Carroll loves to do, which is a part of the Vic Fangio scheme. It's not only quarters, quarter, quarter, half. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of other stuff too. And what but those principles one of the go things in with the, that defense does is uh, back in the, the – the day is they had a outside linebacker that was a pass rusher type, good four three edge, and then they had an outside linebacker that was a coverage guy, and they melded those two and they made bare fronts and all sorts of other stuff and they made it work, and that's real similar to what we have with Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And so he mm-hmm. comes from at least being around the individual that implemented that. So some of that knowledge hopefully is seeped over, or at least he can call back and say, how'd you do this? And so that that is, a to me, a plus side for Desai. Yeah. Um, Dave, I agree. Um, I think it is a plus side for Desai. Plus, what really intrigues me, is the fact that he spent all that time with Carroll and Clint Hurt, who only do cover three and man-match cover seven. Like, that's their bread and butter. You have a single high safety. You do a bunch of different stuff with it. But that's what they like to do. And I think what's really intriguing is you have the Fangio stuff, and then you meld it with that. You can have a lot of base principles here. You can do a lot of different things. And to hear, I think the idea of bringing him back is, one, you want him as your defensive coordinator. But you want to see what he's learned and what, how he wants to evolve things, what he saw from this defense, running a lot of Vic Fangio principles, and how you can fix it. And I think all that kind of melds into a single point where I think Desai could be a really good option for this team. Um, and I really like the idea of Desai. He's been popular. He just had an interview with the Cleveland Browns, when, but the Browns end up going with Jim Schwartz. I wonder if he'll want to come to the Vikings. He's a young guy getting his first chance. You know, the Vikings don't exactly have the 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 sexiest offer when it comes to being a defensive coordinator. Well, a lot we of interviewed your best him players last are older. Year as mm-hmm. well. So is yeah. he gonna come and be turned down twice? Dave, probably not. Um I think um they did officially finish um their interview with Ryan Nielsen here this afternoon. So we'll talk about Nielsen in a little bit. But th- that's a curious part, too. What are they going to want to do? And what is Desai going to want to do? We're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out pretty quick. As we as we continue on with the, head, er, the defensive coordinator search, the first name that came to mind um, for a lot of people when it comes to just an overall defense coordinator is Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins head coach. Technically 
has not been a defensive coordinator, but he has been a defensive coordinator just without the title with the New England Patriots. The Patriots don't like to give that title. Sounds like they're changing their tune a little bit, but they don't like to give that title if they don't have to. Um, Flores uh, is a Belichick disciple. Everything's out of cover one. A lot of man match, a lot of cover one. They do a lot of blitzing. Um, the, in 2021, 40% of all defensive plays for the Dolphins were blitzes. He, he does a different version of the 3-4 base. Now, 3-4-4-3, people get too hard, like they harp on it too much. Everything's hybrid at this point. Like you can run a lot of 3-4 stuff, and then you can make it like 4-3. Like none of that matters. Half the teams run 3-4 base, half the teams run 4-3 base. You're on like 10 to 20% of your plays in base personnel, anyways. So that really doesn't matter. And that it's just something to remember when we're talking about these conversations. You don't have to worry about it. All right. And Aaron, not only associated with the Patriots, he overlapped one year when Kevin O'Connell was there as well. Yes, that is 100% true, Dave. He did overlap with Kevin O'Connell. And the thing with um, Kevin O'Connell, um, he's bringing guys that he knows. He I, he never worked directly with Desai, but they did interview him last year, so there is at least familiarity there. Flores, they overlapped. Um, Nielsen, they never did either. But a lot of the guys that I can, will expect, and you can find my article with 10 guys I that could be realistic candidates for the Vikings defense corner position on Vikings wire. Um, I think that they could be interviewing Raheem Morris. If Morris is, really wants to leave the Rams, it could be Jonathan Cooley, who was just like go for the Rams, but Rams had a ton of issues this year. And a lot of times you just clean position coaches out. That doesn't necessarily mean Cooley's bad. Mike Pettin, I expect to get an interview because he's in house and he is very familiar with the Fangio scheme, but he's also very familiar with Rex Ryan. Now, Ryan and Fangio come from the same family. They do somewhat different things. Ryan is much more aggressive, much more of a blitz-heavy guy. But they work together, Ryan and Fangio. They, they come from the same area. Um, it's it's like I, I come from Iowa and Dave comes from Minnesota. Like, we are both come from the Midwest, but we're slightly different in how we approach things. Like, that's kind of what you're looking at with Fangio and Ryan. Now... One interesting element from that is Jim Leonard, another guy that was on that graphic, somebody I really like. He runs a lot of um, cover three, man match cover seven, but then he also does a lot of the Fangio stuff. He does a little bit of everything. And he really started to implement that Fangio stuff this season at uh, Wisconsin. And at Wisconsin, he has had multiple top five defenses. He had the number one defense in the nation last year. Even though Wisconsin was utter dog crap. But that's just due to the fact that their quarterback position, who I now get to watch Graham Mertz at Florida. Yay. I'm excited. But you don't have to enjoy my pain, even though you might. Um, but one of the big things, though, Leonard is very creative, and he's very he's – a, he's a former player. He spent 14 years in the NFL, and he understands the game. He understands it from a player's perspective. He understands it from a coaching perspective. He knows how to scheme. And I think that could be a really nice element. He never wanted to leave Madison. The NFL came calling many times, even Green Bay, only a couple hours away, if that. He didn't want to leave Madison. He wanted to stay. Now he doesn't really have a choice. If he wants to work, he's got to leave. 
So I think Minnesota could be a, an intriguing option. It's only a three and a half, four hour drive from Minneapolis to Madison. It, that keeps you close. Madison or Chicago are your two best bets when it comes to staying close to where you love. Um, and the last candidate we're going to talk about is somebody who I mentioned earlier, Ryan Nielsen. They inter- finished interviewing him today. Nielsen comes from the college side, and he spent a lot of time in college before spending the last five years as the defensive line coach for the Saints. And he also got a promotion this year to not just defensive line coach, but co-defensive coordinator. Nielsen's stuff is going to look a lot more similar to what Mike Zimmer did, but he doesn't just run four linemen all the time. He only does that about 27% of the snaps. He does like two, four, five looks. He does like one, four, six, which is only one down lineman. So he's going to do a lot of different things. The, the interesting thing with both him and Flores, if you hire them, you're going to have to beef up the coverage. You're going to have to invest a lot in the corner because the corners we have aren't going to cut it. Now, can Booth Jr. and Evans grow into those? Absolutely. But you're going to need somebody in the meantime while they do. And that's where free agency is going to get very interesting, Dave. Um, it, depending on who we hire is going to show a lot on what the approach this offseason is going to be because they're going to need to go corner heavy. And I would expect that in free agency to fortify the position over early in the draft because I think, one, you can get a very good corner on day two. This corner class is ridiculously deep. But I think the top, top guys are going to be gone by the time 23 hits. I also think that they're going to try and move back and beef up the quantity of picks in this draft. Because right now it's at four. It could be at five or six once compensatories are figured out. I'm very intrigued to see how they approach it. But if they hire somebody who needs better corner play, I expect it in free agency over the draft. Well, even Quasi said there's ways to get more draft picks. And as much as we may not like to trade down, that is obviously one way to do it. Question is, who's available at 23, and is it worth that trade down? And in which direction do they go at 23? Do they go wide receiver, because we're talking wide receiver, to maximize the offense, or do they go a cornerback to, you know, Beef up that stable because it's bone dry. You have Patrick Peterson, who's a free agent. You have Sullivan, who's a free agent. And you have, you know, Dantzler and Evans and um, Booth. But Evans and Booth have injury issues. Dantzler is fragile. So, yes, trade there. I have a little bit of a hot take. I would not be shocked if Cam Dancer is not on this team next year. I think he's got glass for ankles, but that's. It's frustrating because there's times when he looks all world and then there's other times he looks like he's a sixth rounder. Yeah. Um, It's it's frustrating. There is talent there, but I, I don't see, especially if we go to man. I don't see him being a guy that, that they want to focus around. He's going to cost about $3 million next year. Um, DJ Wanham is another guy that I would potentially expect to be gone to for that same reason. Think of what the Vikings did with Armand Watts. No guaranteed money left. You're just a guy 
I'm not going to pay you like $3 million to just be a guy. I'll find a guy for the minimum of a million. So something to at least keep in mind. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. It's something that I think you need to keep in the back of your mind. Kwesi is a stock trader. If he sees somebody relatively equal value for $2 million less, he's pulling the trigger. And don't mince words. He'll, he's not, he's not going to be afraid to do it. Um, I think that's something that really needs to be um, thought about. There's a lot of those kind of guys on this roster that aren't ex- are a little more expensive than their value is. And I, I think that makes things very, very interesting. Well, Dave, we can, we can look at that roster real quick. Yeah, why not? Um, and then we'll talk about receivers. This see, but... is this is a killer gimmick from Dave. I think this is fantastic. Um, you've got um, what you call it. Um, all the offensive positions, the breakdown. Um, you have what they are, and the key is in the bottom right corner. Um, one thing you'll need to do, Dave. Yep. Um, Dan. Dan Chisena is no longer a Viking. He signed a futures contract with the Steelers today. Okay. Uh, Didn't know that. That's that's because it just happened, my man. That's what I'm here for. Um, yeah. Um, look, I think when you kind of take a look at all of this, there, there are some interesting decisions that need to be made. And the defensive coordinator hire is going to determine a lot about what those decisions end up being. What direction think- on defense they're going. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with more man coverage comes a a real concern with some of these corners. Uh, do they trust Duke Shelley in, in those man concepts? Do they trust Cameron Dantzler in those man concepts? Do they just sign two guys in free agency and uh, like one on a longer term deal, one on a shorter term deal, and then develop your booth and a Caleb Evans behind them? Like there's a lot of different ways they can go. We're going to find out with that hire. But Let's let's kind of move on because we are going to talk NFL draft. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is here. NFL draft time. Bada bing, bada boom. And Dave, we're going to talk about my top 14 receivers. Um, and uh, something I figure we, we should talk about. These guys. Because, yeah. So my grading scale is pretty simple. Um. 80, anything above an 85 is a first rounder, 80 to 85 is a second, 75 to 80 is a third, and then 70 to 75 is a fourth. So as you kind of take a look at these guys, nobody actually has a third round grade right now. But you have um, four guys with a first, six guys with a four or a second, and then I think it was four guys with a fourth. This is a very fun receiver class, but it's not super top heavy this year. Um, I really like this class a lot, Dave, and I think there's some really intriguing options, especially, especially if the Vikings end up trading down, because I think the, there are only three receivers who are likely to go round one at this point, based on everything we're hearing. Jordan Addison seems like a sure thing and Quentin Johnson from TCU and Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio state are maybes at this point. And Smith and Jigba was the third receiver last year for Ohio State in 2021 with Garrett Wilson and my boy Chris Olave. But he only played 62 snaps this year because of a bad hamstring injury. And 
The I was going to ask about that. Fight, he tried to come back too early, and then he just eventually decided to shut it down because it just wasn't responding. Um, now, what he has is he was also a punt and kick returner. Yeah. But what's interesting about him is he's not fast. He's not a great athlete. He is an average to above average athlete. He's not going to test well. I would not be shocked if he ran like a 4.6240. He wins based on space, something of which does not exist nearly as much in the NFL it does in college. And he does it with route running savvy. He gives me kind of shades of Devontae Adams a little bit with how he kind of wins at the top of the stem and just how he just outsmarts and out techniques people at the college level. But you can make it look so easy in college. Well, it, things get a lot more condensed. It becomes a lot more difficult at the pro level. So I have real concerns that he's going to be a really good pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching Odie making sure he doesn't eat any of my cords because it's a very good possibility right now. Um, I, I have real concerns about Smith and Jigba. Um, Aaron asks, can Naylor be our wide receiver too? Is, can, is he going to make a big enough step in the offseason? No, I don't believe so. Can he be a, in, at some point? There's a path, absolutely. I think the path is not this soon. One of the reasons being, you know, uh, a lot of his success came in what you call garbage time. It did not come against first stringers against the Packers in order to come against first stringers against the Bears. You saw some positive signs, but he needs some development. He is a project, and he is not somebody that you want to have to trust right away. Well, hopefully he gets with Justin Jefferson in the offseason and the whole band, Diggsy and everybody else, and they learn route running and work on the trade and get better and better. And that maybe he can take that step. Because he's got the speed. Mm Mm-hmm. I got to get my dog out of here. Come on, Odie. Get out, buddy. Where's your good boy, Odie? He's a very good boy, but I need him out of my cords because I don't want him eating anything. Yes, Aaron, it would alleviate the dire need for a wide receiver, too, if he could make that step. However, don't expect it before the draft so or any decisions being made. We wouldn't find mm-hmm. out until training camp. Yeah. Clifford asked, don't we need a wide receiver, too, that can take the top off the defense? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely agree. And I think there's a couple guys that can do that. One of them, I have real doubts he'll even make it this far to, uh, to 23. That's Quentin Johnson out of TCU. I loved Quentin Johnson's film. You saw a lot of potential. You did not see somebody who's a finished product. And I think that's uh, that's really key here, Dave. He's not a finished product. He needs time. He plays in an air raid offense with uh, in, in college. You do a lot of very simple stuff. Hitches, outs, posts, goes. That's most of the air raid. There's also mesh with, the, with a shallow crosser, but you don't have a lot of nuance. But what I did see... So I saw a guy who can already take the top off the defense at 6'4", 215. And what he can also do, he has tremendous foot quickness for someone in size. He can, he can do a little shimmy, and I think that's important. He can break tackles with his frame, which looks a little wiry, but it's honestly stronger than you would 
expect for a guy his size. I think that there's a lot of potential with him, but I also would not be surprised if he goes top 10. Um, Second guy is going to be Rasheed Rice from SMU. I loved Rice's film. He's currently my wide receiver five in this class. And the big thing with Rice, he had opportunities to go to power five schools. He chose to stay home and go to SMU. SMU used to be a powerhouse, but then we all know the death penalty that they got in the 80s. They basically had two years with no football team, and they've been trying to rebuild ever since. They've had a couple good years here and there, but they're the prestige of the program is just gone, unfortunately. What Rice is able to do, he's a big guy, 6'3", 205. He's built thick. He can go deep. He can take the top off the defense, and he can do a lot of the short stuff. I think he has a chance to develop into a into a real complete receiver while he's just able to take the top off the defense for Justin Jefferson, which is honestly what he needs more than anything. He needs a real threat opposite him. Hawkinson's very good, and he's a threat. He's not Travis Kelsey. And because he's not Travis Kelsey, that that t- tells me, especially that game against the New York Giants, this team needs a number two receiver in a bad, bad, bad way. They need to upgrade that position. And it's it's not the fault necessarily of Thielen or Osborne. Thielen's getting older. He played hurt a lot. And while he was getting really open, He's not the Adam Thielen of 2018, 2017 when he was dominating opposing cornerbacks and every other person was obsessed with his $500 scholarship story. This isn't that Adam Thielen anymore. He went the to a had, What, six consecutive 100-yard games? Uh, Eight. Yeah. Eight. Not that, he's not that one anymore. I agree. Yeah, he's not. And, but he's still a very good football player. You just have to temper your expectations with him. And at his cap hit of $19 million, it's really hard to expect anything else. Um, KJ Osborne, could there be more? I still have my doubts. Um, He had a great end of the season. Um, His effort is, you can't be matched. But I think he's somebody that you're probably not going to resign after 2023. So all of a sudden, receivers become a glaring need for this team when you kind of consider those two points which is why I want to take one early. Um, a couple other guys that I think need to be mentioned in this conversation. A couple other guys that I think need to be mentioned in this conversation. Jordan Addison from USC. Um, he's reminding a lot of people of Calvin Ridley. Very precise route runner, good in space, sees the field incredibly well, and is an above average to great athlete. And I think somebody like that can be a really nice option opposite Justin Jefferson. He was force-fed targets, and he did a great job at both Pitt and USC. Now, you're not going to have to force-feed him targets, but you know he can handle a workload because he's already proven he can handle a workload. So if the time comes, Dave, when Justin Jefferson just has a dug game, all right, let's just force-feed the ball to Addison 12 times, and let's see what happens. Like You can do that because he has a track record of being able to do those things at good schools against good competition. Now we know the NFL is a different beast, but if you can do it at the college level and you can do it well and you're consistent with it, there's a relatively good chance that the same thing can hold true at the NFL level. And that's something I'm very intrigued by when it comes to Jordan Addison. Um, the, the other two guys I want to mention before we can kind of continue to move on. <laughs> Dave, that, that's that's pretty good from Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, always the jokes are Joseph. We appreciate you. Um, 
there is uh, Josh Downs from North Carolina. He reminds me of Stefan Diggs a lot. He big time reminds me of Diggs. Uh, the way he maneuvers, the way he, um, the way he explodes in and out of breaks, um, just all those little nuances. I think he is a tremendous, tremendous asset uh, to what the Minnesota Vikings would be able to bring. Um, and I wonder if he might be too small because he's he may weigh in at one seventy five and he's five ten. But he can take the top off the defense. He's an explosive athlete. He everything he does is very twitchy, um, and kind of what I mean by twitchy is like when you see a guy come out of a break, it's it's not like really slow and rounded off. It's like zoom zoom, like he's like Mighty Mouse or something, you know, like where it's just super quick. Everything's explosive, and everything just looks like whoa, kind of like how Diggs used to run routes, right? Just really explosive dominant it just looked like a different level of human being and I think you can get the same thing with uh Josh Downs I'm a big big fan and then the last guy we'll talk about Dave before we'll kind of um wrap up receivers here um Zay Flowers of Boston College I loved Zay Flowers uh he reminded me a lot yeah you're you're from the northeast aren't you well I, I when I played high school it was up in New Hampshire, right across the border. Uh, my best friend, uh, who was the center for our team, Steve Gravelin, got a scholarship to play at BC. And we went down there as juniors, and he was checking the place out because he was good. And uh, we are down there with him. And the beautiful sights on uh, BC's campus back there in the early 80s. If you oh, know what I mean, I know what you mean. And they liked us. I we know were, what you mean. We were big guys, you know. We were there obviously for football, and they were like, "Oh, it was nice." <laughs> Tremendous, Dave. Um, Flowers, I really liked him. Um, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but he can stretch the defense. He can work underneath intermediate, dominant at the catch point. He's 5'10", 185. But that doesn't prevent him from going out and um, dominating bigger corners. Aaron, I did feed Odie. I gave him um, pumpkin on a licky mat. But then that was to keep him occupied. Well, he found the licky mat and he's going back at it again. There ain't much left on it. But he will go He will go at it. Um, and peanut butter is usually better, but um, pumpkin's healthier for him. So mm-hmm. we're giving him pumpkin. Um Flowers can take the top off the defense, and I think that's a big thing for this Vikings team. And he can do everything underneath, but he's a smaller guy. 5'10, 188, like I said. And that's where the Emmanuel Sanders comparison comes in. There's a lot of different flavor with this wide receiver group. And it's something that I'm very intrigued to see how it continues to grow and develop. But in the meantime, I I think receiver is going to end up being a focus in the draft, or at the very least, it should be a focus, Dave. Um, we need to, I think we need to focus on offense in the draft because we focused so much on defense last year. We need to focus on developing the guys who drafted last year and fortifying with free agency on the defensive side. But they may look at it as offense isn't our weak point. Defense is. we got to strengthen the defense, which is an absolute true statement. Now, the question is, do they still... 
are they going to view expect an increase in performance next year, being the second year <clears throat> under KOC? Basically, with the players they have on offense, do they believe that's going to happen and not need to get that wide receiver two to help offset what happens to Justin Jefferson? That's a really good question. Um, I would hope that they see things like, hey, our defense is bad. We need to fix it. So we need to get impact right now rather than impact down the line, which is why I say, hey, you fortify with free agency, and then you draft offense. Because on offense, Elon's eventually going to go, you're going to have to replace Osborne. Therefore, you might need two wide receivers. On the offensive line, Garrett Bradbury might not return. Ezra Cleveland's a free agent after 2023. All of a sudden, you have two interior line spots. What about tight end? Are you going to bring back Johnny Munt? Are you going to trust Nick Muse to have a real role in this offense next year? Um, like, There's spots on offense where you really need focus. We haven't even talked about running back. Dalvin Cook, big contract. Alexander Madison, free agent. And then Kirk Cousins. What do you do with him? Is he your future? Are you moving on from him? Do you want to take a developmental guy behind him while you roll with him? There's a lot of questions here. And I think that I really think offense should be the priority in the draft because I think you need to fortify it more with young talent because you have young talent on defense. You just didn't play much of it last year. You were focusing on, hey, we're going to play Eric Kendricks like over a 1,000 snaps. Cam Bynum led the NFL in snaps on defense, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. That's that's pretty impressive. I think it was over 1,270 that Cam Bynum played on defense last year. Pretty, Pretty impressive stuff. And, I mean, he's a young player, but you have Harrison Smith. Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, the Darius Smith, Daniil Hunter. All those guys are 29 or older. That's, Daniil's that's six guys not right 29 there. yet. Is he? I, I don't think, think he's so. turning 29. He's tur- He may be turning 29, but he's not 29 yet. Well, okay, so then they're all over 28. And then Harrison Phillips is 27. He turns 29 October 29th, so I was just a little quick. But when you talk, like, all these guys are older. So, like, playing the younger guys, I think, is going to make a real impact. And obviously, you need them to stay healthy. Look at Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans. And we haven't even talked about Lewis Seen yet, Dave. Lewis Seen was supposed to have an impact on this defense, and he barely got to play because he broke his leg in week four. You get him back and healthy. One of the things that was really frustrating about him, he was like he was this close. Mm-hmm. It was like like he was trying to answer a math problem in time or like playing Jeopardy. When you're playing Jeopardy and you have the buzzer and you're just a split second late all the time and then the guy next to you wins, that's kind of where Lewis Cena is at right now. He's seeing everything. He's seeing it great. He's just not able to get it quick enough. And that's his big issue. And I think he's going to be fine. Moving forward, it takes time to adjust to the NFL game. It does. And there's nothing wrong with that. It You need time to adjust. You need time to learn the speed. And obviously, um, when it comes to like the SEC, then transitioning forward to the NFL, you're getting the best you possibly can as far as an easy transition. But it's not easy. 
it's never easy. And I think we need to really keep um, temper some of those expectations, at least initially, with guys on the back end because they have to be able to see it. And I think with a year under his belt, I think Scene's going to see it next year. And I'm very excited to see what he can do. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they move on from Harrison Smith and just put Scene back there and say, like, you know what, we're going to have some errors. Like, I don't expect 2023 to be a year where we're going to compete for much of anything. And neither does Vegas. They, Vegas pegged us with the 20th best Super Bowl odds at plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl. For this year. Not great. Next year. Next year. We've got a gauntlet of opponents next year. Because we won the division, we're going against a bunch of first-place teams. And <clears throat> trying to remember the divisions we play, but there's one of them that's just AFC, AFC West mm-hmm. and I think NFC East. NFC no NFC West we played last year. Um, it would be um, NFC South. Okay. So yeah, it's a gauntlet of a schedule. It really is. Um, it's it'll be tough, but there's just so many questions. So right now. Plus 5,000 feels about right because we just have no idea what this team's going to be moving forward. They basically ran it back last year with a couple tweaks here and there. How how, how do you move forward? That's going to be the interesting thing. Joseph was talking about how Walter Football and their draft, mock draft, had us taking QB Max Dugan in the third round as a developmental guy to sit behind Cousins. So. Uh, let me layer this real quick. Um, when it comes to Walter football, I would recommend getting your draft uh, info elsewhere. Um, they are not great. Um, and then, but as far as Duggan, I like him, but I don't know if I would take him around three, probably around four. Um, I know that that's kind of semantics, but at the same time, identifying where these guys can and should go, I think is important because it can maximize your value where it's like, Oh, I took this guy around two. Well, you probably could have got him in round seven. So you could have waited. I think some of that needs to come into play. I like Duggan does not have the elite arm talent, but he's got that dog in him and he's going, he's a leader. He's going to drag a carcass to the finish line and win a football game. Quang, drink me for a bottle of whiskey. Ah, Quang, my man. I thought I thought we were good. Um, Japanese, that, that, that Scotch, Irish, bourbon. What do you want, Wang? Yeah, s- send it to me. I will take the bottle of whiskey and we'll go from there. Uh, but let's let's kind of move on. I, I like the idea of taking a developmental guy, and we'll talk more about quarterbacks. And one place where I'm going to get to watch Duggan and some more players, the Senior Bowl next week where I will be, and this will be my third time going in four years. It's a very, very important event. Um, and then um, CTP's own Miles Gorham and Matt Anderson will also be joining me down there. Uh, big thing with the Senior Bowl is you're going to see guys compete on the same playing field, doing the same things, and it's going to be really interesting to see how everything shakes up. I am a big fan of a lot of players that are going down there. But you get to see them in situations that you wouldn't necessarily see. Um, you want to see one-on-ones with receivers going against corners. You want to see how the quarterbacks throw. You want to see how the interior guys go up um, 
And that's what I like seeing is how those linemen are doing in drills and one-on-one, two-on-one, how they handle it. And I'm looking at form as part of Mm -hmm. what are their mechanics. Oh, yeah. Quang says, I want to extend Curse Cousins. Come on, Quang. You know me better than that. I, I am not a proponent for extending Kirk Cousins. I am just not. I never have been. I understand if you want to do an extension with Cousins to, because you believe he's going to be the quarterback for the next four or five years. Do you think that extending him is a smart way to go? Do I think that? No. And I think they need to look into an exit strategy, and they need to plan for the future. The future is now. You need you need to plan for it. Um they need to grab a quarterback to develop. Calamon was a dud. I basically said that from the get-go. I thought it was a bad pick. Um, I was on this stream with you, Dave, and I was mad at the pick in real time. I was very upset. Um, but I do think that there is hope for the quarterback um, of the future if you want to take one in the mid-rounds. Jaron Hall, Max Duggan. Hendon Hooker is a very weird quarterback of the future because he's gonna ha- he's never really played in like the, when he did play in a pro style offense he was bad. Then when he played in a gimmicky Mickey Mouse offense at Tennessee he was great in a Heisman contender. What are you gonna get at the pros? That's that's what I don't know. And he's twenty five years old. Jaron Hall plays played more in uh, an offense that had a lot of pro style concepts and he throws a beautiful football. So I'm more on like kind of his bandwagon right now. Duggan is interesting. Um, uh, but the senior bowl, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff. We're going to have a lot of video content. We're going to have a ton, ton of written content on the Vikings wire. And it's going to be a really good week. Um, I'm very excited for it. It's, it's a very fun time. It's basically go, 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 go for Four straight days. The second you get to the second you leave, it's working hard. It's networking. It's doing all the little things. Um, and I'm really excited for it. And I'll be able to answer all your questions um, regarding it. But one thing that I will let you know, there will be no live show next week. There will be a show. But Dave and I are going to end up recording it beforehand. And we'll probably talk a big Senior Bowl preview and primer. Um, one of the reasons... Why we haven't done mock drafts yet, the mock draft machine for the draft network, which I think is the only truly great one, um, is currently um, experiencing a makeover. And once we're allowed to do to stream that, because it's in beta testing right now, we will be doing so. Um, and But I will say that Matt Anderson does have his first mock draft coming out tomorrow morning for the Vikings Wire. And he, I, I won't spoil it, but he does have the Vikings taking a cornerback. And I'll, I'll leave it at that so you can make sure you check it out. There are some really interesting decisions. There are some um, very interesting um, player selections, not just position selections. And I'm, I'm very excited for you guys to read all about it. Um, it's the whole part point of mock drafts at this point. In, this, in the year, is, hey, I want to see what could happen. It's about exploring, exploring scenarios. Um, all right, let's answer this question. We're going to wrap up the show here today from Andrew. For as far as Vikings QB the future, please be a mobile one um, to move, um, or one to move Kirk that we got killed because of our inside O-line. How far is the Florida quarterback from playing? Heard he's raw and a work in progress. 
Raw is different for every quarterback. Here's the thing with Richardson. He has flashes and little bursts where he already looks like an elite quarterback. Problem is, he'll follow it up with, hey, I'm going to throw a little five-yard swing pass and throw it like an absolute missile. Like, he's learning how to use his mechanics consistently. He's learning how to throw touch passes. Those little things make a massive difference when you're talking about a quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, I think Richardson has a chance to be great. I think he has top five quarterback in the NFL potential because when you combine his raw traits, how mechanically advanced he has shown he can be, and his rushing ability, there's the only one that can really match it is Josh Allen. Mahomes is a different type of player. Like Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League. But he's different from what Richardson and Allen bring to the table, which is being a complete alien. They're aliens. They make throws that are like, that's not possible. Why are you breaking the laws of physics? They make their their runs. Like Richardson has multiple 50-yard touchdown runs in college. His, uh, his first year like playing that. was last year. When you look at the quarterbacks that are making it now into you know, the championship games, they're all mobile. Mm-hmm. They're all young. They all have talent. It's it's mobile quarterbacks is going to be part of the game. You're not going to see that pure pocket passer. That's going to be gone. Uh, you know, at least for the next cycle roll of the wheel, which may be 20, 40, 60 years. That's the way you're going to you're going to want somebody who has that mobility, and I think that's who can throw well, do things. I like the idea of violating the rules of physics and uh, be able to run on top of it. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it's that's one of those things where like, it would be so great to have. We haven't had a toolsy quarterback to develop, Dave, since Dante Culpepper. <laughs> Dante Culpepper. Like, Tavares Jackson, kind of, I guess. But Dante, like, you're getting an it an evolved, advanced form of Dante Culpepper. And I think everybody would be on board with that, except maybe some of the Cousins Crusaders, and I don't know if any of them listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I, I respect what Kirk Cousins did this year. I love the psyche change, but I worry about his age. Like I've repeated numerous times, the average age for a quarterback to fall off the the physical ability cliff is 35. Yeah. You're gambling if you take it out further than that. Yeah, and I want to figure out what our plan is. Mm-hmm. What is our plan? What are we going to do? Because we genuinely don't know. And I think that's both intriguing and frustrating because I want to know what the plan of the future is. Um, or at least, hey, we're going to try and develop this guy. The last staff took Kellen Mond. With the idea, hey, we'll develop him. That was a bad idea because the player was bad and never should have been drafted. That well, it's a gamble. It's you hope you see something that you can develop, and if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you get the next one. Yeah, absolutely. But that is our show for the day. Um, we will have the show releasing next week. Dave and I are talking about a recording time. I'm trying to figure out what we're expecting my schedule so we can coordinate. But we will have a show for you 
on Monday. It just will not be live, so I apologize for that. So we won't be able to interact in the comments. Um, but if you send me questions, I'll answer them on the show. So we can we can at least have that portion. Dave, what do we have for the rest of the week? Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour. Matt uh, and Miles will be talking about going down to Mobile and what they have planned when they get down there. Also on Wednesday, if you can't get enough of this beautiful, lovely face, I'm going to be substituting for one bar on the One Bar and Lupkus show an hour earlier than our show. That's at 7, happy hour at 8, so it's going to be a busy Wednesday. I don't know about Thursday, but I guarantee you on Saturday, Darren and I are going to talk. We've already talked today on what we might talk about. We're hoping for some defensive coordinator news by then. We don't know. Uh, We will be doing some breakdowns of position groups one by one, uh, like uh, who's left in the quarterback room, who's free agents, how they do, stuff like that. Same over on corners. And we'll do those over a myriad of weeks, and then we'll look at it on the back end before we get into into the season and where we might go from there. So we can bring everybody up to speed to where we sit. So yes, GMAC is Dave Barr and Lepicus going to be on Wednesday. It's going to be fun. I love going on that mm-hmm. show. It's a good time. And so, but that's what we've got. It's a ton of stuff as we all prep for next week and going down for the Senior Bowl. I can't wait to hear the reports. It's just not you three. We get. Uh, Thor Nystrom's going to be down there, and there's probably going to be more folks from the Minneapolis camp, Minnesota camp, and uh, uh, we can't wait. Looking towards no, it's the gonna future. Be, it's going to be a great, great time. I cannot wait to get down there and have a great football time. But in the meantime, thank you all for joining us here today, and we will be back in full force here soon. In the meantime, Dave, the one thing we always say, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings, turning your Mondays purple. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.